Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Two for the price of one this week, and we'll continue that, uh, except for on bye weeks. But obviously, uh, this will be the aftermath, and the, the the one on Thursday will kind of be a prequel to what we're going to talk about. So we're not going to talk about any of the games that are being played this weekend. We're only going to talk about the games that were played and what we saw over the weekend. Certainly with what we saw with Florida was pretty amazing offensively. It was fun to watch. Um you know, even though it was weird to watch for me being home, watching the game with my daughter, and she was into it, and she, hey, she's so much fun to watch football games with. But um, it was, um, you, you know, I mean, record-breaking, and it just felt like every time Florida needed to answer Ole Miss, uh, they had an answer. It was They were always good answers. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask, obviously. I still don't like any of the nicknames I've come up with or any of you have come up with. There's got to be a better one out there. You know, Kyle Squared I tried. I don't think it it went over really well. You know, the Kyle connection, um, you know, Kyle to Kyle, Kyle on Kyle crime. I've heard them all, but it feels like there's got to be one better. And maybe there is. We'll see. But... um, Certainly what they were able to do. But it wasn't just Kyle Pitts. Now, he had an unbelievable game. But Florida looked like, hey, receivers, they're going to be okay at receiver with, with Grimes. And don't forget, one thing that, that uh, was weird watching the game on TV, and I'm sure it would have been similar if I was there, was on the, the long touchdown pass to Pitts, uh, Grimes is running free. I mean, he looked like – he reminded me of Tyree Cleveland running down the field and, and – waving his hand going hey nobody's covering me uh in the tennessee game but he was obviously grimes was wide open on that play too he could have thrown it to either one of them for a touchdown and uh, you know again they it's just not complicated what they're doing but they're doing it the right way and they've executed they're executing it well i don't know how much of a you know or how much we you want to blame the fact that they've had weird practices, not as much hitting, didn't have spring, on you know for the defense. But I look around me and I see teams that did play pretty good defense, including in this conference. Vanderbilt played good defense. A uh, and M played good defense. Uh, Georgia played great defense. Um, not so. Some teams did play great defense, but I think. When you look at it, most teams play great defense against teams that aren't that great on offense. And in A and M's case, they fumbled five times. I think lost three of them to Vanderbilt. But um, you got to hope that not having some of the players at the game 
obviously uh, Kyrie Campbell, who's on the roster on the depth chart, but I well, I'll be curious how much he plays or whether he plays because we again we aren't getting answers as to what why these guys are out. Brad Stewart, um, Jeremiah Moon, which was a bit of a surprise to all of us that he was out. Uh, there were several other guys out. Getting these guys back is going to make a difference in that defense. But and also losing Sean Davis, like ten plays into the game, you lose Sean Davis. We've gone back and forth. We've had discussions about whether it was a good call or not. I thought it was a fine call. Um, you know, I thought he got him with his helmet. I think his helmet, his the helmet's touched, and he was going for a big hit, and he was going for it with his shoulder, which you're allowed to do, but you can't get up in the head or neck area. Um, so I was not surprised that it was called, and I was not surprised that it was upheld. Some people disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But um, – you know, they uh, without him after the tenth play of the game is it was a factor. Now that the bad news is, you know, you never know if he's going to sprain an ankle, and that can't be the only reason your defense was so bad. And we, but we saw the one play where they ran right be, right past Donovan Steiner, and he froze, looking into the backfield. The, I mean, all these things can be corrected. We all think Todd Grantham's a pretty good defensive coach. He's got to figure some things out. There's no question about it. But that was uh, a game where you could get away with it because they could not – they had no answer for Florida. And eventually they had no answer for the running game. Um, I I think the offensive line uh, is not getting enough credit for the way they played in this game. And, look, I said going in that Ole Miss defensive line-wise wasn't really good, and I thought that Florida should be able to run the ball, and they did. When you get almost 200 yards rushing, that's pretty good. So Florida, uh, you know, there were some things they could have done a little bit better offensively, but, but not that many. Uh, defensively, though, you know, the defense um, just couldn't – you know, like every time you go, okay, just get a stop here because you know the offense is going to go right back down to score because they, they can't stop them. So get a stop here, put this game away – you know, step in their neck and get get the game over, and they never could. Even at the end, I was get I was telling Kelsey, I go, Kelsey, you don't realize here if they score here and get a two point conversion and onside kick, and they can throw a hail mary and get another two point conversion. I'm I'm saying the game's not over, even when there was like 15 seconds left in it, because they they had a hard time putting them away. Um. But you know, we'll see what what happens this this week. Everybody, you know, everybody knew about Kyle Pitts going to the game. That was no big secret for Ole Miss's defense. They knew Kyle Pitts and how good he was, and and yet they they had no answer for him. They they tried double him and didn't he did, that didn't even work. Uh, but but I'm curious, like if I'm Will Muschamp, I am going to look at the LSU game from last year. And see what they did in the second half. Because if you remember, Kyle Pitts was unstoppable in the first half. But the second half, he I don't think he caught a ball the whole second half. And Florida only scored seven points. Now, Florida drove the ball. They went to other guys. It's not like there was nobody uh, doing things for Florida in that game in the second half. They just couldn't couldn't get out of the they got in the red zone a bunch and couldn't couldn't score you know the one pick down there obviously for Stingley was a big factor in the game but I still would look at that and say what did you guys do did you double him 
And the trouble with doubling him is now, let's say you double him and he split out wide right and you throw a bubble screen to Kadarius Tony on the other side. You're down two guys now. You're already down two guys and you're trying to tackle Kadarius Tony, who showed that he, the moves are all just as good as ever a couple of times in that game. So uh, the, it, it will cause nightmares for defenses and that's way what florida wants to do they want to cause matchup nightmares that's what everybody wants to do not everybody's got the players to do it you know that's that's the thing not everybody's got the players number no there aren't that many cow pits out there this guy's gonna make a lot of money in the pros because he has built he has bulked up he's gotten bigger and stronger he's he was proud of the way he blocked in that game and, um, you know, so those are going to be hard to come by. All right, we got to take a break. We always do right around this time. We'll come back. We'll talk about the game a little bit more. Also about the other SEC games. Chris Doring is going to be our special guest this week. Again, today we're going to look back on Thursday. We come back with another podcast. We look ahead. Right now we're going to take a break, though. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. If you're a Gator fan who believes saving money is better, join ViStar and save up to $5,000 in closing costs when you buy or refinance a home. The ViStar No Closing Costs Mortgage has a great rate, no hidden fees, and like the name says, no closing costs up to $5,000. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. Equal housing opportunity insured by NCUA. All loans subject to credit approval. Offer not available on VA and FHA mortgages. For more information, visit ViStarCU.org. I mentioned uh, how much the offensive line deserves some credit for that game. And again, I don't, I'm not saying the offensive line is much improved from last year. That's, that's a process that we're going to have to see over the next few weeks. And again, they're going to go going up against much better defensive lines. Although I will say this, I don't know they're going to go up against a better offense in the, in the nine games they have left uh, than, than what Ole Miss was throwing out there and, or a better play caller than Lane Kiffin because he knows what he's doing. But they're going to go go up against um, better defensive lines, and we'll see how they handle it. Obviously, it, it felt like Heggie played well. It felt like uh, Stuart Reese played well. And they, I, I don't know if they get Ethan White back this week or not. Uh, that was a question I, I think we all forgot to ask on um, on Tuesday or on Monday, but maybe we'll ask him on Wednesday when we get our next chance with Coach Mullen. But um, – also, the other guy is Evan McPherson, who 
just was unbelievable in that game. I mean, that 55-yard field goal was huge in that game. That, that was kind of – because Florida was up two touchdowns, but that meant they were up three scores. And you're like, all right, they're, they're fine. They're, they're not going to have any problem here. Um, I know Dan Mullen was upset that they had a couple of chances to score touchdowns and had to kick field goals, but he made them. Three for three, most accurate kicker in Florida history. And it's almost gotten to a point where – you don't, you don't like you can go out and get a soda or whatever when when Evan McPherson's kicking a field goal. That's the way it's been for him. So a lot of credit to him too. Um, and there were defensive players who did play well. I thought Tadarrell Slayton played well. You know, he's a guy who is gonna be a draft pick. I don't know how high he'll go playing his position, but he's gonna be a draft pick. And uh, he's playing hard. You can tell. Um, so I thought he played well, you know, and I thought obviously Ventrell Miller was defensive player of the week. Uh, he had a couple of plays where he, where he made mistakes, but he played pretty well. He made, made a bunch of tackles. You can see Florida hit really hard too for as little as they've hit. They, when they, but, but again, and this what is what happens when you don't have a spring and you don't have a lot of hitting the hard hits are easy. It's the, the the difficult tackles that are hard. You know what I'm saying? Like when a guy makes a little bit of a move and you get your hands on him but you can't quite bring him down, that's where they, they looked bad at times. But to me it was mostly about the inability to cover and the inability to react to the ball in the air. You know, I, I always rem- remember the game that Florida played against Ole Miss here in 2000. Three, yes. I was trying to think of the, ne- the year. So that would have been Ron Zook's second year. And Ole Miss the week before, I think they might have been playing Texas Tech. I don't remember. But they gave up like 600 yards passing. They probably were because <laughs> Mike, Mike uh, Leach has 11 of those, 11 600-yard passing games for his quarterbacks. The rest of the of, – since he came into the league or came into – college football is a head coach 11 the rest of college football has nine okay in that same time frame so it probably was texas tech but you could watch some of that game and go wow florida should be able to throw all over them and they didn't instead they didn't try to throw the ball very much didn't throw deep and we're all befuddled and they lose the game to eli manning had a late drive gave him two wins in a row against florida and after the game we're like, Zook, Ron Zook, oh, over here. Yeah, why didn't you throw the ball more? Well, he, they knew that we knew that they were going to try to throw it, blah, blah, blah. You know, he gave one of those Zook answers. But I was like, you could see from film, you could see watching the game, in, you know, on TV, that they didn't react to the ball well in the air. And that's what kind of came back to me watching the Gators on Saturday is how poorly they they reacted to the ball in the air. So that's surprising, but I think it's correctable, as Ron Zick would say. I think they can solve that problem. Getting some of these players back should help as well. Look, the bottom line is you won, like we were talking about last week. Win by one is fine. Okay, they won by more than one. Won by 16. And people are now freaking out. Now people are going, well, uh, uh, Florida, Florida is maybe in the national championship game. This, this is what we do. 
the Monday and Tuesday after a the first weekend of the season. And let's let's face it, we all know that college football started Saturday. All those little games you were throwing out there, they were fun to watch and everything, but when the SEC starts playing, that's when college football starts. And now when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and all those guys come back, we'll all say, yeah, I may I may have a little bit of that, but I'm still, I'm still <laughs> eating these ribs over here. And so that was that was a lot of fun to watch, and you just like were the whole day you were just like mesmerized by the SEC being back in action. But let's not get too carried away with what Florida did in one game against a team that's not been good on defense for a long time with a first-year coach and a first-year defensive coordinator, uh, co-defensive coordinators they have, but DJ Durkin's pretty much run the show. You could tell that watching the game. Um, you know, I think Ole Miss will be fun to watch this year. They'll, they'll beat somebody. They'll knock somebody off. Like if Ole Miss was playing Texas A&M in that first game, I think they might have beaten them. Now, Texas A&M, maybe one reason, you know, they they look so bad on defense is Vanderbilt has a pretty good defense. I mean, so bad on offense, Vanderbilt has a pretty good defense. So, I don't know. But, um, by the way, I just wanted to say this real quick. And, again, we're going to bring Chris Doring on in just a minute. The um, I got a couple of people complaining that we keep mentioning COVID and we keep mentioning coronavirus and we keep mentioning that that we're not normal and blah 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 this was as normal as we felt for a while but it still didn't feel normal i wasn't at the game robbie wasn't at the game that doesn't feel normal and we're going to mention the fact that there were x number of fans in the game and it was a weird setting and we're going to mention guys were out because of coronavirus these are facts that's all we're dealing with here and and uh we're not going to dwell on them but we're going to mention them. You got players not playing in a game because of, of uh, this pandemic. You got to mention it. You got Pat Dooley not at the game. I'm going to mention it, okay? Me and Robbie, it was a weird deal for us. And I tell you what, we were not overly thrilled with the broadcast. And I know they have their own issues they have to deal with. But, you know, to miss three plays was ridiculous. To uh, the the thing that that I, I'm one of those guys that keeps play by play meticulously, and I'll, I was sitting there and I was like, "Wait, come back, go back to the field. Let me see where the ball is." No, no, no. We got to do our feature on Marty Smith talking about something, or and, and Marty's a good guy, but I also understand the way TV works. TV is don't just show a field with everybody huddling. Go to the sideline. Go to the cheerleaders up in the stands. Go to your sideline commentator. Go to this feature you've done. I get it, but it was really hard to keep track of play-by-play in that regard. So that's something I need to adjust. Um, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll all adjust to everything. We just continue to adjust, continue to adjust going forward. I do want to get into the other games in the SEC, uh, but let's let's bring on Chris Doring. We'll get him, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about them and other games that happen. It's, this is mostly going to be a college football broadcast from here on out, as we know. And then we'll get into uh, the three things. And uh, I, 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 to me, 
what was established in the SEC on Saturday is Bama's got a free ride to the championship game. We'll talk about that and more. When we return, you're listening to the duly noted podcast, The Aftermath, here on Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. And it's a great pleasure to be joined by one of the best receivers to ever play at the University of Florida and one of the best on TV as well. Uh, he plays a receiver on TV, Chris Doring uh, from the SEC Network and all over the serious channels and uh, often hosts with Peter Burns in the morning, wakes me up in the morning, makes me go on with him, which is uh, always fun. P- Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. We kind of, we try to keep you towards the end of the show. You know, we moved it from seven to ten to eight to eleven. So if I, I know we're pretty good, we can get you in that ten o'clock hour. You usually wait by then. Yeah, I, I, I've cleared my throat at least a little bit by then. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, obviously, we finally got a week of SEC football, and it was a lot of fun. It was great seeing you on the back in the studio too. That must have been, um, you know, for you. Just I mean, it, that was a change. It was, you know, it, it was. It, I, I can get a little bit of a feeling of what it was like for the players, you know, because for for me, while I'm a huge fan of, of college football, my my livelihood also depends uh, largely on college football being played, and there was so much uncertainty during the uh, the pandemic and the off season, and we're going to play, we're not going to play, maybe we'll play. Like it, it really, by the time we got in there to the studio, it felt like. Uh, a combination of a lot of different emotions, including relief, excitement, and then just trying to uh, a little bit of normality, which was uh, very welcome given what we've gone through the last six months or so. You know, obviously you had to be impressed with what Florida did, breaking records, uh, earning a bottle of cheap wine from uh, Steve Spurrier and uh, Dan Mullen did. So, uh, But, you know, the thing that I, I saw this, and you probably saw it as well, Jordan Rogers broke down what Florida did, he, that basically they ran the same play ten times just with different formations. I mean, it's not like it's all that complicated what Dan Mullen is doing to get guys open, but they're getting he's getting them open. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good, uh, a, a good uh, point, and I think you, you could say the same thing largely about what Mississippi State did to LSU. I mean, it, it's not yeah. like there's this this wild new creative offense. Um, Coach Chizik said it on Saturday in the studio. What what uh, Mike Leach was doing was what Mike Leach was doing at Texas Tech when when Chiz was the defensive coordinator at Texas. Uh, it's a handful of plays out of a number of different formations with with different personnel groupings and motions and, and other things that you do really well. And I think that's what uh, this offense for Florida really has done is that they have such a uh, a dangerous, deep group of, of skill players that they can use different personnel groupings and they can make it look different with window dressing. But at the end of the day, it's it's uh, it's largely the same uh, patterns with the same route combinations and, and largely the same reads for the quarterback. And, and you're seeing guys run the routes really well. You're seeing, you know, an understanding of the offense from everybody. You're seeing quarterback making decisive reads and throwing with great accuracy. And I would even add to that, it's not like there was a ton of receivers wide open necessarily. Sure, you know, there was an instance where Kyle Pitts ran down the middle of the field against the linebacker and was wide open. But a lot of these were one-on-one contested plays 
where Kyle Trask threw some nice balls away from coverage, and you had bigger, stronger, athletic guys able to make plays. So I just think it's a it's a good usage of personnel. Uh, Dan Mullen's been doing that for the last couple of years, and even dating back to his days in Starkville, he knows how to put guys in positions to be successful. And in the past, he's been able to minimize deficiencies. And I think on this team, at least offensively, there's not a ton of deficiencies that he has to cover up anymore. How much different is it, though, um, what what he what Steve did with um, Kirk Kirkpatrick, and then a little bit with you, where he had you kind of as a split out tight end? Um, you know, obviously you're a wide receiver, but but just to kind of screw up with, with the defense's head, then what Dan Mullen's doing with Kyle Pitts is it that different? Well, I, I think offensive uh, have evolved in general. Back then. There wasn't a whole lot of substituted defenses. Uh, you can remember when we played like Auburn. Auburn would, would substitute defensive backs, and, and they had a little bit better personnel to match you know, our four and five wide receiver packages. Just because I was playing in that tight end spot, there wasn't a whole lot of people that were doing it at that point in time. I was technically you know, at the wide position. But you see in, in college and professional football now where you know, everybody's running a three and four wide package where you have a, a wide receiver at the Y spot. So you're seeing defenses substitute with nickel and dimes to, to match up a little bit better. Uh, base, base defenses now all mostly include, you know, that star position, the nickel spot. Um, so it, it's, it, I think things have evolved as a whole, uh, but there's not necessarily a, a lot different. I mean, I, I think our offenses at Florida, uh, there was a, an emphasis on spreading defenses out vertically. Uh, a lot of the offenses now do it with a little bit of a, a quicker passing game where you're using the width of the field and stretching them out horizontally. Uh, but I thought Florida did a nice job, as did Mississippi State, with the, the vertical passing game. Um, you know, A lot of times, if you go back and look at that LSU-Mississippi State tape, they're running four verts or some, you know, some, some semblance of the same thing where you're putting uh, a safety in a bind by, by running guys and, and forcing them to make decisions down the field. And, and uh, Florida did some of that as well. Uh, I thought they did a nice job with, with getting receivers down the field and, and, uh, and stretching that Ole Miss defense out. You know, we knew going into that game that Mississippi had, had not been very good defensively over the last few years and weren't expecting them to be good defensively. But I think we were all surprised how bad Florida was. And I know there were a lot of guys out, but, but the, the one thing that was alarming to me more than anything, Chris, it was when the ball got in the air and guys didn't seem to react to it well. Now, this may be because they didn't have a spring practice. They didn't have uh, the same kind of time they normally would have. They're not used to doing it, and maybe they'll just – bounce right back in this game but it was uh, it was a little bit of a concern just how easily Ole Miss was able to to attack them I mean just running those scissor routes they were getting guys wide open yeah I mean I think if you go back and look uh, at the SEC weekend as a whole you know I, I talked about it on our show yesterday with Peter Burns like you know Tennessee goes one of 12 on third downs uh, Texas A&M was, was miserable on offense and special teams um, you know, conversely, Kentucky outgained Auburn, uh, but they turned the ball over in, uh, three times. Uh, everybody had good and everybody had bad, and you're going to much, uh, much prefer teaching off of the tape with the stuff you did bad when your record's 1-0 and as opposed to 0-1. And, and I'm with you. Florida didn't play very well defensively. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Florida's got deficiencies on the defensive line. Uh, the, the, the secondary didn't play very well, but the bottom line is they won. And the great part about football, it, it's a team sport with three different phases. And what you saw was essentially Florida having to win a little differently than they've been able to win in the last couple of years, and that's win by outscoring teams. 
Uh, you don't want to necessarily get in the habit of that, but there's going to be days where Florida's offense is not maybe clicking, clicking on all cylinders, and you're going to need the, the defense to win your game. Um, think back to last year against Miami. I wouldn't say Florida played the ball very well in the air last year. I mean, no. Marco Wilson had <laughs> multiple pass interference calls that, that kept Miami in the game, and, and I think they got better from that. Uh, it's the old coaching mantra that teams get better. The biggest improvement they'll make is from week one to week, week two, especially this year without spring practice, without much offseason ability to get together and much uh, hitting and being able to go full go. So they'll go back, they'll teach off the tape, and I expect Florida to be a lot better against South Carolina defici- uh, defensively. But I'll say this, though. Uh, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at it, Pat, much. I think I think South Carolina is much improved on, on offense. Colin Hill uh, <laughs> showed glimpses of what they're capable of doing. Shai Smith is one of the best receivers in the conference, so Florida's got to get better uh, on, on defense in a hurry. Yeah, I just got off the phone with Colin Hill. He's a great story as well, as, as kind of like – not the same as Kyle Trask, but it's a miracle that both those guys are both playing in this game. But let's go yep. back to that Mississippi State-LSU game, which I think we all kept waiting for LSU to go ahead and put them away. And But uh, Mike Leach has got a knack, man. And, and it's not like, again, he's not running some, you know, 85 guys running one way and 85 guys running the other. He's just running where the, where the grass is green and, and getting guys open and it, it was unbelievable to sit there and watch that LSU defense just get picked apart like that. Yeah, you made a couple of good points there, Pat. First of all, you know when, when we just kept waiting for LSU to come back, and then when they finally tied it on that, uh, I think it was Terrace Marshall touchdown, uh, I'm like, all right, here we go. They're going to go ahead and, and seize control of the game. They're going to pull away. And it was actually Mississippi State that seized control and pulled away. They scored the last 10 points of the game to win. And if you go back and look at it, the resiliency is really what stood out to me of Mississippi State. Every time they had some adversity, they bounced back and made plays. They turned the ball over four times, yet they didn't let that get them down. Uh, they gave up a lead late in the game, and they didn't let that get them down. And normally you don't see teams have that type of resiliency that haven't been in those positions before. Uh, so I think that's what impressed me the most for a team that was just trying to, to really – acclimate to a new scheme and a new coaching staff and, and they're playing the defending national champions on the road. Like there's a lot of things that, that could have derailed them from winning that game, but they stayed focused, they kept fighting and they found a way to, to pull it out. So I, I, I that, that that stood out to me. And I think also it really takes me back to my days at Florida. Uh, you know this Pat, like we took on our, our team personality took on the personality of our coach. You know, Coach Spurrier was was so confident. He was competitive. You know, he, he always talked about playing to the end. So we had all of those those teams. Uh, our, our teams had all of those factors, and I think you know you can almost sense some of that in Mississippi State's team. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, Coach Leach is, is a little different guy, but he's ultra confident in what he does. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, he's got a little bit of arrogance to him as well, and 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 really is so passive about things that it didn't seem like his team got tight and I, I really do think that um that team has, has developed a little bit of uh their, their coach's mentality in their own dna at this point never thought we'd have a a, a a saturday where we would have two sec games with the score was seven five at halftime but um we did have that georgia kind of pulled away but i still you know obviously stetson bennett's not the answer they get yeah. jt daniels has been cleared to play now and i assume he will take over the reins but uh you know obviously dewan mathis didn't look very good he looked like a like a guy who never played before that position and then of course with uh 
with uh, Texas A&M, they never looked good the entire game, which was really surprising against a Vanderbilt team that I think we've all assumed is going to go 0-10. Vanderbilt has improved. They may go 0-10, but they're better than they were last year. Uh, Derek Mason hired a new offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, both of those guys looked looked uh, like they had a good plan for that game. They kept the ball away from Texas A&M a lot of the game. Uh, I love that the freshman, Ken Seals, came out and, and looked like he'd been playing in this conference for a long time. Now, they don't have a whole lot of explosiveness and athleticism on their offense, but uh, he made some really good throws, and, and they were in a one-possession game to the final uh, minute of the, the game. I mean, they took him down to the down to the wire, and that's all you can ask for if you're Vanderbilt, really. Uh, I do have concerns about A&M. I was never all in on A&M anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought that they kind of tried to sell us the same story every year. Hey, our, our quarterback gotten a lot better. You're going to see a lot of improvement from our offense, and it really ends up looking the same every single year to me. So I, I expect that to be no different this season. Uh, but Georgia was the thing that really surprised me. I, I thought their offense would be somewhat better. Um, the first half, it was actually worse, it looked like, than what it was last year. Uh, the offensive line was what surprised me. Their inability to run the ball, something that, that Kirby Smart uh, puts a, uh, an emphasis on, was, was kind of scary if you're a Georgia fan. Uh, Stetson Bennett steadied the ship, but you're right, I don't think he's the answer. And, and Kirby uh, kind of mentioned that in this pre, pre-game interview that we've made a decision on who the starter's going to be. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't available, in my opinion. I think, I think J.T. Daniels has probably won that job in practice. It's hard for me to envision a scenario where Dwan Mathis, looking the way he did on Saturday, uh, looked a whole lot different in practice and was able to win that job. So I'm anticipating it being JT Daniels. But let's not let's not discount what Stetson Bennett did. Stetson Bennett came in and into a, uh, an unenviable situation. You know, you got to love the fact the guy's a walk-on. He transferred out, went to a junior college, came back, and and uh, found a way to, to help his team win a win a game. So if JT Daniels wasn't uh, playing and, and and cleared this week, I would imagine we'd see Stetson Bennett just because he would. Uh, not make the mistake that's going to put you in a bad situation, especially with that defense. But let's be honest, man, they don't have the ability to to, to, to sleepwalk through a first half again. I mean, this is going to be a much higher level competition against Auburn, and uh, it'll be weird watching this rivalry game being played so early in the season. <laughs> How good did it feel just to have SEC football back on Saturday? It was awesome, man. I mean, it was so weird the last couple of weeks. Being in the month of September, being home for Labor Day, you know, being home as much as I loved again to watch my son play at TK Young the last couple of weeks, uh, being home for those games was weird. And, uh, you know, now to be back up in the studio being with, with Dari and Chiz and, and PB and those guys, to me it was uh, very normal, very comfortable, and uh, and a whole lot of fun, man. Especially, I don't know how we go back from this 10-game SEC schedule. Like, uh, week one where we usually have 14 different games going on and we're playing FCS and group of five teams, like, I don't care if we play SEC only, but I think we should open the season with a, a Power 5 game at least. I don't know how we go back to that. He is Chris Doring. Of course, you know him well from his exploits on the field and now on radio and TV. Uh, one of my best friends, and we're, we're thrilled to have him on. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. <laughs> Okay, thanks again to Chris Doring for coming on. I, I did want to mention uh, the voting that is going on right now with the AP um, and the coaches poll, obviously. Uh, the AP, which I'm a voter on, told us, look, you can vote for um, 
teams that aren't playing that are have said they're announced that they're going to play. They're scheduled. They've got games scheduled, and they're scheduled to play. And it was really kind of hard. You know, how do I leave out a team that I – like, I didn't leave out Lafayette. Lafayette's 3-0. and I don't think Lafayette could play with Wisconsin, no. But I'm not going to leave out a 3-0 and team that's won the last – well, three really unbelievable games. I'm not going to leave them out, you know – and, and put in a Wisconsin or a Minnesota that hadn't played a game and wasn't going to play a game for a month. There'll be plenty of time to get them back in. But what you had happen was many voters, I know Brett McMurphy was this way, a couple of other voters, I don't know how many, just said, nope, I'm not, if you haven't played a game, I'm not, I'm not ranking you. And that's their prerogative to do. Um, I may even actually go back full circle, but the problem I have is, okay, this week I ranked Alabama, um, Ohio State won. They were my preseason one. I still think they're the best team. Most of these guys have opted back. We, we have to wait and make sure that they're going to be eligible. Um, we don't know how they're going to, you know, we don't we don't know how they're going to deal with all this time off. But to me, that was the team, if I had to pick one team in the preseason that would win it all, it was Ohio State. So I had them number one in the preseason. Well, to me, I still got to put them number one. I watched Alabama play. Alabama was okay. They were they they dominated the early part of the game. They kind of took their foot off the gas, and the score didn't end up. And boy, I bet you there were some betters that were not happy about that. So, you know, and, and like Oregon, I really liked Oregon. I liked Oregon as a top four team in the preseason, but they've had so many guys opt out that I think I had them eleven or something. I I yeah. So it, it is. It's hard work doing that poll right now. But, um, you know, eventually we'll get we'll kind of get back to normal on that. Uh, obviously, the Mississippi State win over LSU, was, which Chris and I talked about, was unbelievable. And um, they uh, – Mike Leach is fun. He is fun. He, I, I don't agree with everything with him, but he was really hilarious even in the, the Monday press conference – when he talked about the cardboard cutouts and, you know, I mean, he's just, look, he's different, he's quirky, but he knows how to get guys open and he knows how to win football games. It's what he's good at. And LSU, the problems that we all thought they were going to have, they're having, and, and they are, a lot of them are on defense. We thought that they may, it may be more of a, uh, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow problem, but it seems like it's a Dave Aranda problem because Bo Pelini didn't have any answers at all for anything Mississippi State threw out there. And I know Daryl Stingley was uh, was law was out for the game, had some kind of illness. I don't know if he had food poisoning or what, but um, I think one DB does not make or break a game right I think one defensive back is uh, you want them there and you can take away one side of the field you can do this and that put them on their best receiver but I don't think he would have made that much difference I think you know a middle linebacker can can do that I think a pass rusher can do that make a difference in a game like that but I'm not sure one DB would have made that much difference but look they still had guys like Jacoby Stevens out there who was all SEC preseason um, but they've clearly got problems on defense now they won't have problems this week 
they got Vandy, but they had problems last week. And obviously, I kind of enjoy that they have to shut up for a while. Okay? Look, what they did last year was amazing. It was unbelievable. And they they did it with the perfect storm and, and good for them. But, you know, it, it, after a while, it kind of got old. You know, it kind of got old. Um, like it does with anybody. You don't, you know, it does with Alabama when they win. But Alabama wins them all the time. But, but, um, and I'm sure that gets that way for other teams with Florida. When Florida wins at all, they get sick of talking, hearing about the Gators. But I was just kind of, eh, I was okay with LSU getting knocked off. Um, obviously, Georgia and Texas A&M did not look good. Uh, neither one of those teams looked that good. Uh, Georgia, we just talked about, had uh, is still going to have to try to figure things out at quarterback. Um, A&M, really, you know, the team that you would have thought maybe has the second-best quarterback or the best, got a lot of first-place votes for SEC uh, preseason, did not look good. They did not look good. Um, Tennessee game was an unbelievable game. It was fun to watch. Uh, lose, they lose, basically. Your boy Will Muschamp, as he likes to do, kicks a field goal when they're down seven. They still could have come back and won, but because the ball hit the blocker on the punt, they lose the ball, and that's the game. But they, you know, it was going to be hard for them to come down because there wasn't much time left anyway. It was like a minute left or something. So I don't, you know, again that that is the Muschamp way is to do the conservative way and hope things work out, and that's why people had problems with them at Florida. Uh, obviously, you also had Oklahoma losing, uh, which probably does it for them. I, I but I, you know, I'm not going to discount them completely. You know, I will say this: when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech in whatever year that was, 2000, the first year of the playoff, right? And we all said, well, that's it for the Big Ten. They're out. And then Ohio State ends up winning it all. They had a lot of games to come back and, and you know, gain their respect back. It was the second game of the year. It was a 12-game season, plus you had the, the other stuff, uh, you know, playoffs and stuff like that and, and championship game. This time you only have 10 games. If if by game 10, okay, who in the – didn't we just make fun of the Big 12 two weeks ago? How bad that league is after they lost all those games to the Sun Belt? Where are you going to get your big wins? I think Oklahoma probably is done, but I'm never going to discount a team completely after one game and one loss. Look, it's all eye test this year, okay? I think in the end, we're all going to sit there. Well, not us, but the the committee, and they're going to go, who do we think's the best team? Who do we like? Who looks the best? Right? And then you're going to say, okay, the, let's put those four teams in there because everybody's going to have, and I've talked about this before, you could go 4-0, and I'm not 4-0, and but 6-0 and and end up in the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to get into how bad FSU is and how good Miami is. It's, it's whatever you want to think. I think FSU's really bad, and I think Miami's pretty good, pretty darn good. Um, FSU, uh, it's just amazing how poorly they played and how they don't show up. Um, it, uh, I don't, I can't explain it. I'll, I'll leave that to you guys to discuss. I said this the other day. 
I almost feel sorry for FSU, and then I got yelled at from my people for saying that. I'm sorry. Uh, by the way, we do have a, a situation now in the NFL where the Titans had a bunch of guys, eight, I think it was, test positive, and now they may not be able to play that game. There's been a lot of, you know, they're doing contact tracing and everything. So, um, you know, it's kind of inevitable, but the other thing that we're going to continue to see, and, and Kyle Trask talked about this the other day, you get back from a road game like that and you're feeling pretty good and you just threw six touchdowns, and um, what are you going to do? You're not going out. You're not going to go celebrate. You're not going to go drinking. You're not going to go partying. You better not be because you may not be playing the next game. And that's what everybody's got to get to that point. All right, let us do – I think I've gone through everything we need to go through. Uh, and again, on Thursday, um, when we do the podcast, it'll be a look ahead. We'll look at, at the games that are coming up. And obviously, we've got a couple of really good ones. So we'll talk about that then and what Florida-South Carolina game will look like. Right now, though, it is time for three things. It's time for three things. Number one on three things, Lakers Heat. Okay, I'll watch it. I've watched a lot of basketball, probably more basketball than I've ever watched because for a while there, it was the only thing of value. You know, game seven of the of Major League Baseball's 60-game season maybe didn't do it for me unless the Braves were playing. Um, we The golf was up and down. You know, I thought it would be better than it was, and now we've – We've got a long, long wait until we um, – well, we get we get the Masters on my birthday, November 14th, and then we get then, – then an even longer wait. But basketball was kind of what we had and for a while there, and I was enjoying it. Um, but I don't like the Lakers, and you, I've talked about it why over and over again. And I really don't like the Heat very much either, especially with those two Kentucky players. They drive me crazy. But I've decided I'm rooting for the Heat because of Udonis Haslam. He's always been great to me, great guy, uh, great community leader, and also uh, kind of the uh, the spiritual leader of that team. I know he doesn't play hardly at all, but Udonis Haslam has, has uh, done a great job, uh, you know, in, in, in keeping those guys together and keeping those guys away from doing things that are wrong. It could be a really interesting series. I hope it is. I all I want is entertainment. That's all we're looking for. So I'm I'm not gonna, but I'm not gonna pick the Heat. I'm picking the Lakers in six, but I'm rooting for the Heat. All right, number two. Uh, hey, look, I don't. I did not watch. I probably watched 18 seconds of hockey. I'm not a huge hockey fan. I know playoff hockey is the best in the world, but they were just. Again, we had so much stuff going on <laughs> over the last few weeks. It was great. I loved it, but not a lot of it was hockey. I tried to watch a little bit, but I just I don't I didn't really care who won either. I'm not a Lightning fan, but congratulations, Lightning! You deserve it. Brought a championship to the state. Proud of you. Uh, this could be where the state just takes over, right? Lightning. The um, the Heat could win it all. The Jaguars could win it all. No, I'm just kidding about that. But uh, congratulations to the Lightning. And I know uh, friends of mine that are huge fans, so that's that's pretty cool. 
pretty cool, as Miley Cyrus would say. And finally, number three, thanks for nothing. Uh, we finally, the Braves have a, a great season, and, and Freddie Freeman should be the MVP or else you got to get rid of the MVP voting. The only other guy to me that, that can argue with is Ozuna, both of them playing for the Braves. I know that a couple of guys, Tatis and guys like that, had big years. Freddie Freeman had the best year. And recovering from COVID, think about that. But, so what do, you, what do we get just by luck of the draw? As a two seed, we get a seven seed that's won 11 out of 14 and has the best one of the best rotations in baseball. Thanks for nothing. The Braves haven't won a series since 2001. It's been a long time. We finally have gotten to a point where we have a really good team. But our pitching, as you may or may not know, has been a, a issues because of losing our best pitcher in the second week of the season. I don't know how they're going to cobble it together. But they got to go against Trevor Bauer in the first game, Luis Castillo in the second game, Sonny Gray in the third game if there is one. I'm not optimistic, but I will take it. I want to win one series. I'm not even asking for the World Series, okay? And hopefully none of that bad luck that Dan Quinn apparently is carrying around with him rubs off on anybody else in Atlanta. But I just want to see the Braves win a series, and I'll be happy, okay? But thanks for... Somehow, a team that wins 11 out of 14. Now, that's the only reason they got in the playoffs. The Reds just have, were, were struggling. They weren't going to get in. Now they're the hottest team in baseball, blah, blah, blah. Got to deal with that. Wednesday at noon, I'll be watching it on TV. All right, that's going to do it for the aftermath of a, a fun weekend. I had a great time watching football, and I, and I did on uh, Sunday as well. My Seahawks are 3-0. I have totally adopted that team, so... My Seahawks are 3-0. and um, Appreciate you guys for listening and for clicking on. Don't forget, we'll have another podcast on Thursday. Until then, I am Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here.